the incredible, the fantastic. Ladies and gentlemen, come one and come all to a film you've never seen before. But remember, folks, no refunds. Hello and welcome to No Refunds, the podcast where we watch bad movies so you don't have to. A Cold North production. I'm your host, Ben Reynolds, and this week we watched the Spirit Brothers 2009 film, Daybreakers. There's a little uh, question about that because in multiple places I kept seeing 2009, but the film was actually released on January like 8th, 2010. So we're going to go with 2010. Joining me this time, we have the tenacious Tim Miller. Why, hello there. And Patrick, the Law Morris. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Check out everything we have going on over at coldnorthpro.com. And if you like what you hear, leave us a rating and review wherever you found our podcast. What a great website. And And now, Daybreakers. Imagine a world where almost everyone is a vampire. I like being a vampire, so I'm good at this. I was never very good at being human. No one grows old. Immortality is the miracle. We are blessed. And the remaining humans are hunted. And farmed for blood. What happens when there isn't a single drop left? These are desperate times. We only have enough blood to sustain our population till the end of the month. We're talking about the extinction of the human race. If a blood substitute is not found immediately, this will happen to all of us. A substitute would replace our need for a human supply. There will always be those who are willing to pay extra for the real thing. We need your help. We want to rebuild the human race. A blood substitute is not a cure. I was like you once. I'm not no more. Who are you? We're the folks with the crossbows. That last breath of humanity will vanish as soon as the blood does. I found a cure. I can change you back. What's the cure? They could kill you. I'm already dead. It doesn't hurt me. Can anyone hear me? I want to feel how it feels. They found us. They're everywhere. So we start out each week with the Google plot synopsis, and here we Google the movie and read the plot synopsis that it spits out. So here we go for Daybreakers. Ten years after a plague turns most of the world's population into vampires, a critical blood shortage causes panic and gruesome mutations among the reanimated. Edward, a vampire hematologist, trusts <laughs> that just throwing vampire hematologist is a phrase is just a fucking weird like edward a vampire garbage man <laughs> all right let's back back to the plot synopsis edward a vampire hematologist tries to develop a blood substitute when he meets lionel and audrey two fugitive humans who claim to have a possible cure edward casts his lot with them in the hope of perfecting the cure before it's too late is this an accurate plot summary yeah, I'm. Uh, I feel like it was. I understand why because it would have caused some major confusion. But I really wish they had called Elvis Elvis instead of Lionel. Yeah, well, <laughs> but it Just, was also kind of confusing that he kept referring to himself as Elvis. Well, can you imagine that Google plot synopsis for like someone who oh, hasn't re- seen the movie though? Yeah, like he, yeah. he meets up with Elvis and Audrey. <laughs> like what the. F- 
Well, and that's so. Then, like, do they call the like the senators and stuff a vampire senator? <laughs> like, oh, that's true. Why couldn't they just say Edward, a hematologist? Yeah, because he's a vampire. <laughs> I mean, it's that's all okay. This is a this is more of a semantics question for vampires. But if you're a hematologist, is and you're a vampire, is your profession? a fetish i i mean it's kind of just like your profet it's almost like being a chef kind of ah so he's the I gordon ramsay of the vampire world <laughs> i guess in some ways but at the, okay <laughs> so i just i didn't really think about this and I, now i'm kind of coming back to it and i'm finding it a little more problematic why the fuck is he a hematologist if he doesn't use any hematology for the cure like Ultimately, the cure is has absolutely nothing to do with hematology. Uh, but he also did just sort of stumble into the cure. Well, Elvis stumbled into the cure and more yeah. like flew headfirst into the cure. <laughs> just dove right in. Um, but yeah, so I so it just happens to be that the cure had nothing to do with hematology, and that I don't know. And I mean, I guess they wanted him to, so that then he has like then because if he's not a hematologist, then you don't get the uh, the conflict with Sam Neill, whose character's name was Brommer or something like that. Yeah, yeah, uh, Charles Bromley. Bromley. Uh, yeah, and so I guess yeah, that that's fair. And but you could have probably still made I don't know. And well, I mean, if he's like, if he wasn't a hematologist would it really make a ton of like it, him being a hematologist does make a lot of logical sense for the movie because he's like trying to create a cure. Well, he's trying to create an artificial blood. He's actually okay with being a vampire. Yeah. Okay. Honestly. Which makes even more sense because he's trying to create an artificial blood that can be a substitute for, um, for human blood. Yeah. And so he's a hematologist who happens to stumble into the cure by like by way of elvis yeah that's a brand new sentence (laughs) yeah bizarre bizarre um so it's not really missing anything i mean maybe they could mention his brother oh yeah his brother played played a big part and also maybe i mean and this is going pretty in depth for a google plot synopsis but like maybe the daughter isabel i feel like she played a pretty significant role in the movie you mean allison bromley yeah isabel lucas is the actor that's right actress yeah or actor i guess you call them now um equality yeah yeah uh (laughs) yeah that's I I I think that one is kind of that sh- she would be a little less necessary than um Frankie. Yeah, Frankie, Frankie or Dalton aka Michael Dorman. Um yeah, Frankie probably should have been at least like mentioned that Edward and his brother I guess they're estranged though. But that the whole like they they didn't do a very good job of making them seem estranged because he just like shows up and his brothers at his house and I get that they talk about how they're he hasn't seen him in a long time but they just like go back into just I don't know and I guess that's how you are with your siblings. Uh, but uh, also like, not really. Like I'm not even estranged from my sisters and I wouldn't just show up in their house when they're not home, and I haven't seen them in months. Yeah, but like. Well, no, not I guess not that specifically, but it's like the the way that the conversation with them didn't feel particularly estranged. Oh yeah, I guess that's true. But I I mean, me and my sister haven't seen each other for months, and we'll start talking, and it just we go back, we fall back into. Yeah, when you the, spend your whole life with someone, talk. yeah. So I guess that's I don't know, maybe yeah, yeah. But I it's I don't it's also weird. I don't know that they necessarily needed to make him be an estranged younger brother. It didn't really. I, mean, I guess that that way, I guess that way, Frankie doesn't Frankie doesn't realize that Edward is not drinking blood. Mm. That his ears are starting to get pointy. Mm. Maybe I don't know. Uh, yeah, it seems like a small nit to pick. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> a good point. Good point. Um. All right. Well, 
So for each film we go through, we'll revisit these six questions to lead our discussion. And the first question that we start out with each week is how bad was it? Tim, what did you think? Honestly, I didn't think it was that bad. It's definitely um, in the upper half of the movies that we've watched so far, in my opinion. Patrick? I totally agree. Like, it was, I was watching it and I was like, yeah, this isn't like, it's not good, but like, it's not bad. It was kind of a unique take on a vampire movie, which this was 2010. Um, And so it's like, this is kind of as it was on the early side of the bell curve, but like vampire movies definitely went through this popularity spike. Oh and no, man. This is, this is in the middle of the twilight age. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. and so it's like, it, I it, feel like it's actually benefit. It's benefited by the fact that we are out of the twilight age and we're now watching it and we're like, huh, it's like, I'm not so fucking exhausted by vampires at this point. Whereas in 2010, I not need another vampire movie. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's, but I feel like it's just a very unique take on vampire movies in general, because even like, even vampire movies that I like, uh, like Blade and Blade 2 and Blade 3, um, and other vampire movies. It's called Trinity. Yeah, it's true. Um, but even like vampire movies that I like, they all kind of follow a very typical path. Um, vampires are kind of a, are an extreme minority in society and they're like this almost secret society. Whereas this movie was just like out and like, yeah, vampires are the norm and and it was just super, super unique. I've never really seen anything like that before. And so Tim, I'm with you. It's like this, this wasn't a bad movie. Yeah, so, like, at the end of my notes, I always just write down, like, the I, – I write down the questions and I try and answer them briefly. And so for this one, I briefly wrote, better than recent weeks, but not very good at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not uh, hard I mean, to beat the past two weeks that we've watched. Yeah. Let's be yeah. real here. Troll 2 I'm and gamer. Uh, gamer. You're, Tim, that's the understatement of the century. <laughs> So, so yep. maybe the answer to to our first question is the best one we've watched since Transformers: The Last Night. Yeah, it's not as good <laughs> as Transformers: The Last Night, but uh, it's not. It's not. It was horrible. a breath of fresh air. Yeah. So. Yeah. No. Definitely was a breath breath of fresh air compared to Gamer. Like Gamer was so bad. I I did make some notes that some of the gore was like over the top. Like there was some of the gore was it, just a, a actually i made a note about that and i have to ask you what is with picking movies with like the with people being naked that's just uncomfortable like i'm not enjoying any of it i it's not it's not not, <laughs> not intentional <laughs> ben say. ben started this podcast and his whole goal is to just make tim uncomfortable with gratuitous nudity nudity and bad movies exactly. Exactly. it's all just a joke tim <laughs> oh, but i Bastards. no Tim, you said breath of fresh air and that kind of sparked something. I totally agree. It's a breath of fresh air. And I think that, um, and this is more like for our benefit, but like, I think that that's important in making this podcast is to come up for air every now and then with a movie that's like, yeah, this isn't terrible because I know I've mentioned it before of like, why am I doing this to myself when I sit down and watch these movies? And I sat down oh, and watched Dottie this one. It was painful. Yeah. And like Tim, I Tim came over to my apartment when I was watching Gotti. And he like I was like, guess who gets to watch the last 15 minutes of Gotti with me? And Tim was like, no. Like, no, I won't do it. <laughs> yeah, straight up no. And and so it's like coming up for air and watching a movie that's not so over the top bad. I think is important moving forward. So what actually made it bad? I said that the special effects were bad. Like specifically, um, I, uh, I made a note about like the scene where they were fighting under the tree or where the brother, when the brother ambushes him under the tree, when he first meets Elvis and the chick. Oh yeah. 
Audrey. The special effects specifically in that scene were so bad. I literally wrote, when the action starts, we almost get to troll too bad. <laughs> <laughs> Like the and so that's I I thought that the one of the worst things that this movie had going was its special effects, but it is considered a B movie. So, Tim, would you say it's almost troll too bad? I mean, I don't remember that specific scene, but there were a couple, um, couple explosions that I remember being just like, yeah, no, that looks terrible. And I think it was after that, uh, that that chase scene. Um, I can't remember which one it was. Yeah, it was actually the chase scene right after um, his brother ambushes them under the tree when they're um, getting traced by those two um, Humvees. Yeah, oh, yeah, that was just like I. So that scene, the special effects and the like, the just the, pr- the production value was just so incredibly bad. It was like this is clearly this looks like a fan a fan film, and I know I've said that yeah. on this podcast before, but. It looked really terrible. And then... uh, Go ahead, Tim. One thing I did like about that scene, though, um, was actually the way that they used light in it. um, Because, like, Ed just couldn't be in the light, and there were just bullet holes coming through the back of the car, and they were affecting him. And I actually actually liked that part of it, but everything else was kind of like, eh, could do without it. Yeah. No, that was cool, actually. I do do remember thinking that's kind of... That was cool. Yeah, um, it was it was really cool that it like a consumer grade car didn't have bulletproof glass. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously it wouldn't. No, but but, but like yeah. cars and movies usually do. Oh <laughs> like, yeah, I see that's that's fair. Yeah, like very that car fair. was very specifically not wearing plot armor. Yeah, okay. either was the Mustang. May it rest in uh, peace. So another thing that I I thought was really cheap there was like a second cure where like if they drank cured blood they got cured i thought that was really cheesy like and just dumb oh yeah it was a bit of a cop out it, it's just like that's exactly made it too it easy that's yeah. exactly what it was was a cop out like they had to have a way for the cure to spread rapidly so that they could have some sort of conclusion to the movie rather than like we have this super specific like sequence of things that you have to go through and do very specifically and it like it's very difficult, but we can replicate it versus like, no, nah, just drink cured blood, you're lit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um and then the other, the last thing that I have for what what made it bad was the cheesy dialogue. Specifically lines like, Life's a bitch, ain't it? Then you don't die. Oh like, I thought yeah, that was, that was funny. bad. Terrible. I, and they, they, there, there were like at least like four of those lines where they just specifically tried to make a play on the fact that vampires are already dead. Uh, it's like this is cheesy, and you've are you're beating this horse that's already dead. But uh, the like almost all of the super cheesy, like over the top cheesy lines were Elvis lines. And that character... That was an Edward line. Oh, yeah, I guess that's right. <laughs> but Actually, Edward has quite a few of them, too. It's They're primarily delivered by Ethan Hawke or Willem Dafoe. Yeah, and and the, like, the Elvis character was so over the top. He was almost like a friggin' cartoon. He was. Just ridiculous. Was. Um, I thought that the... I thought the special effects made it pretty bad. I thought that the um, kind of the I would say I would say almost the clear lack of a villain because the Sam Neill character Charles Bromley or whatever his name was was definitely a villain Mm -hmm. and he had a motivation that wasn't revealed until the end but well no his motivation was that he didn't want cancer so he became a vampire no, but his motivation to, like, his motivation to was very capitalist in nature in that he wanted to create, uh, he wanted to create the blood substitute. And he said at the end to, um, to Edward, he was like, it's not about a cure. It's about repeat customers. And 
that wasn't revealed until the very end of the movie. Well, yeah, but if you if you are familiar with capitalism, <laughs> yeah, oh no, absolutely. But like they didn't they didn't focus on that. Like that wasn't a mo- he wasn't a character with motivation. He was just a character with an evil aura about him. Well, I I mean, I guess it I would say that to me Charles Bromley's like as soon as he was like offering the real blood and like kept saying like all those things about how real blood was better and blah blah blah, I was like, "Oh yeah, this guy's clearly the bad guy." And like clearly he has he wants to continue to drink human blood and wants to be, doesn't want to be a human again. And so, yeah, like, well, and he's like, and he's, and he also was like, also the one who was in charge of keeping the human hosts. Like, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. But like he was a, the, not the, ho- not hosts, but the human, like the human farm. He, he owned the human farm. Like from which, by the way, I, I'm, I have a bone to pick with that. Um, maybe an un- unanswerable question, oh. but oh, I I was trying to figure out where the uncomfortable at the human is where the uncomfortable came from. Yes, that's I, I was like, where was their uncomfortable nudity? And, and that's, I was just thinking about <laughs> every the human shot part, I was like, of that. Oh, yeah, that was uncomfortable nudity. <laughs> I can I can just picture Tim watching this movie alone in his room. This isn't nudity. I can get off to. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> You're actually more accurate than I care to admit. Oh man, that's funny. Well, at least you admit that you're uncomfortable admitting it. (laughs) But no, so he was like, he was very clearly the villain from the very beginning. Uh, but like he was, he didn't, he was a villain without motivation. And I think that that kind of made him a very inconsequential character. It, it was never explained like, oh, he's doing this because he's wanting to like, he's wanting to basically have a monopoly over the food source or like the energy source for the entire world. Yeah. Yeah. And also, how, okay. Uh, no, that's, a, that's an, I'll get to that in unanswerable questions. Okay. Well, so let's move on to our next question, which is which character was the worst? Frankie. Um, ooh, that's an interesting thought. Mm. I went with Elvis. Explain yourself, Tim. Explain but, myself. Well, let's let's all throw out let's throw out throw out our answers before we start making Tim explain himself. Hmm. I went with uh with Elvis, aka Lionel. Um Patrick, who is your vote? Uh, I'm probably going to say Bromley. Charles, not uh, Allison. Absolutely, Charles. <laughs> <laughs> Just wanted to make that distinction. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, uh, so Tim, go ahead and make your argument for why uh, Frankie was the worst. Like, he was just selfish for all the wrong reasons. He wanted his brother to stay with him, so he bit him and turned him into a vampire, even though his brother clearly didn't want it. Um he then continued to just fuck with his brother the entire movie pretty much almost derailed his plan uh, to meet up with the humans um, eventually leads that squad that takes down all those humans that are trying to get back to the ranch then he actually goes and bites Elvis as if he's just he just wanted blood that's all he did and yes of course it turned him back but like I didn't feel he deserved that redemption after all that bullshit that he did and he didn't know that was going to happen exactly he did that out of selfish reasons exactly all right all right so i i i absolutely see i approached the question from a different angle and thought like thought about like which from a narrative standpoint which character was the worst and that's why i thought elvis because i really didn't feel like elvis fit in the movie like, no, I, I like agree with that. Character from a different That's a good movie. point. <laughs> it's just like literally like, let's take this. He almost seemed like he belo- would belong in like a Western or like. Yeah, like a spaghetti Western. He just, he did not fit in this movie at all. And so that's, I guess, really why, what my real reason for Lionel <laughs> Elvis Cormac being the worst was. <laughs> um. So, Tim, I 
I agree with you that uh, that Frankie was a dick, but I don't think that makes him the worst character because, like, villains and Frankie was to an extent a villain can make for some of the best characters. I mean, Heath Ledger's Joker is the best character of that movie. Uh, Of the Dark Knight. Yeah, of the Dark Knight. Heath Ledger's Joker actually has a small cameo in Daybreakers and best best character of the movie. (laughs) Rest in peace. Came back from the dead. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it is called Daybreakers, so. Uh, Yeah, he was. He just was a vampire. Rest in peace. Little did we know. He's actually still alive. Well, he's not alive per se, but he's a vampire and still around today. We just we just need to expose him to some sunlight, wrap him in a wet towel. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be fine. Uh, that's funny. Um, no, so Tim, I do agree with you that Frankie was a dick. Uh, but I kind of and and they did explain, like, he did ex- have that moment of, like, I couldn't lose you, and that's why I turned you. Like, I didn't do it because I wanted human blood. I did it because I couldn't lose you. And that kind of makes sense. It's that's still motivation too. That's whose motivation? It's Charles Bromley's. That's literally the exact same motivation, except for wanting to be rich. Uh, it's the motivation that he had to... His daughter for his daughter yeah or not even for his daughter to turn himself um well no but then he she he doesn't he, want to lose her and so then he turns her he turned he has well frankie, frankie turn turns, her yeah he has frankie turn her and yeah then... which uh, i'll get to that later um but no i felt like bromley was just such a weak villain and it's a shame because i really like sam neil I wrote that he was a pizza shit. I think I was a little drunk by that point. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe he looked like a pizza or a shit that you would take after eating a whole pizza. I, I wrote, Sam Neill has his daughter sent to change. What a pizza shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, classic, classic. Um, so I, I mean, so yeah, are, are we going to be able, who was the worst? Uh, I don't know because I, I think Frankie had a reasonable arc and I, Frankie, Frankie did have an arc. He was just a dickhead, which kind of makes him sh- the worst in one way. The problem is didn't feel like he belonged in the movie. So the problem, the problem I have with that arc is I don't feel like he deserved it. He didn't deserve the redemption that he got. He didn't earn it. Yeah. yeah. No, that's definitely true. He did not earn any redemption. Uh, but yeah, he doesn't drive that's... off with him at the end, so we really don't know what happened to Frankie. Oh, Frankie, oh, he got eaten. Frankie dead. He's dead. Oh, yeah, he got, he, eaten oh, yeah, he got ripped apart. Yeah, he got ripped <laughs> apart with Sam Neill. So he didn't really get any redemption. I mean, he did it to sacrifice himself to save them. Yeah, that that's kind of the ultimate. Like, I realize that I not that I'm not worthy of redemption, and this is the only thing that I can do to be worthy. Kind of situations. Yeah, and even then, he still yeah. doesn't pull it up. Yeah, well, I and I don't know Bromley. Like, I I I don't think I can agree on Bromley. I I've I've got to go with or. Uh, or Frankie, I mean. Wait, me. who did you say? You got to go with who? Either Elvis slash Lionel or Frankie. All right, um, Tim. I, just, I like. I think. I mean, the movie doesn't function, Bromley. Really, Tim, pick two, and we'll see who the tiebreaker is, or should I say, the daybreaker? <laughs> I'm shaking my head right now, but you can't even see it. You're welcome. Um, uh, yeah, thanks. Um, I'm gonna have to go with Frankie, and actually, my second pick is gonna be Bromley. Um, we're in a we're in a stalemate. Think, yeah, I hate to say it, but yeah, yeah. I, this is the first time we cannot come to a consensus on who is the worst character. So, what I'm gonna tell you guys is that either the worst character was either Frankie Dalton 
Charles Bromley or Lionel Elvis Cormack. They're all pretty terrible characters. <laughs> I, you no, decide. I got an idea. Let's go with an outside-the-box choice, and let's all agree that it was Jarvis. Uh, I don't know, man. Christopher Caruso, the uh, Edward's co-worker. Oh, yeah. Was... What a dick. I'm, I'm, I'm in on that. Yeah, I'm okay with that one. All right. <laughs> Fuck Christopher. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. So best, I kind of think this one's going to be pretty easy because it's Edward, right? Yeah, that's my pick. It's Ethan Hawke. Uh, oh, my God. That... It's Ethan Hawke. Okay. I love Ethan Hawke. I'm actually a really big Ethan Hawke fan. Um, I think one of the worst going off on a little tangent about Ethan Hawke. One of the worst parts about this movie was that he had yellow eyes for like yellow CGI eyes for half the movie because Ethan Hawke is such a good actor and he does so much acting with his eyes that, and like they did, they made him CGI yellow and he just, he couldn't emote through his eyes. And so they like neutered his acting for half of this movie. Ah, that being said, I'm going to say that the best character was Alison Bromley because she was such a fucking badass. She was like so against getting turned for, and she had like moral reasons for it. And then when it was forced upon her, she was just like, fuck this. You don't get what you want. And she just started feeding on herself. And well, it no, was... she's driven to feed on herself because she's a, no, nah, it's not. I mean, they all started feeding on themselves. That's why they started. That's why the the subsiders became a thing. But she like it was almost immediate. Like it was, at least my perception of the time she spent alone. Like she, it was almost immediate that she started feeding on herself, and she was like, "I'm just gonna kill myself." I can't agree with you that she was definitely not better than Edward because Edward actually was an interesting character, had an interesting character arc, and we got to see it all the way through. All right, you know what, Ben? Fuck you. The best character was Elvis. <laughs> now you're just saying that because you're mad. Because, right. Yep. Because <laughs> you ripped your, uh, your argument to shreds in seconds. Nope, it was Elvis. Okay. I mean, he did have a cool <laughs> Trans Am at the end. Oh, yeah. Badass that, that was pretty sweet. Chevy Bel Air that he rolling in early on. Ooh. So uh, Ooh. we're all in a consensus that it was Elvis? <laughs> I don't still know. I think we're going Edward. Edward was pretty cool. Like Edward was a character that had like a a journey. Now, now that I'm thinking back to the twilight. I, yeah. Or twilight age. I'm like, fuck, they should have picked a different first name than Edward. I, yeah, (laughs) I, uh, I didn't, I didn't make that connection until we were talking. I literally didn't until we were talking about this. We kept calling him Edward. And I was like, they did that on purpose. Yeah. I mean, they, it almost seems like they must have. Yeah. They had to have tried to capitalize on it. I, yeah. Do you think it have. was do you think it was them poking fun at um at the uh the Twilight movies? I don't know. I think it was more of them being yeah. like, "Hey, if we mention Edward, they might think it's part of Twilight and they'll come see it." Well, in that case, they should have made him sparkle. Probably. I mean, he did and... a little bit, but he was on fire bit. for most of it. <laughs> well, just cold towel, wet towel, wet towel, wet need. towel. You just gotta have basically a girlfriend. Yeah, just a wet blanket. <laughs> Oof. All right. So let's let's move on to our next question. Was it so bad it was good? No, I think it was just okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think that's yeah. I don't exactly. think it reached that's levels of bad to loop around to get to good. Yeah, exactly. no, I wouldn't exactly. even call it bad. Yeah, it was like, definitely a B movie, but not not a bad B movie. But, um, all right, so the, the last question: Would it have been better as a Netflix slash HBO series? Possibly. Yeah, like, this is one that I there actually... could be world building, and yeah. like it's this is also one where I didn't feel like I like at the end of it, I was not like, oh, thank God, this is over. <laughs> yeah. I wanted more, if I really, if I feel, if I feel like, oh, thank God, this is over. I'm like, then I'm usually like, wow, that definitely could not have been a fucking <laughs> Netflix or HBO series. But if I'm like, oh, all right, 
I that, yeah no I could I can see this being in it because there's there I in my unanswerable questions I will uh, I will definitely drop some questions that I have about the expanded universe of this world. Well, and I you mentioned world building. I think that that is the reason that this would be all right as a as a Netflix or HBO series because like the world was like I said at the beginning it was so interesting like it was a really really different take on like the on the entire genre of vampires no that's yeah because like blade vampires are kind of well they're not like in global control but they are prominent yeah they're prominent and they're in control but they're still underground yeah they're still hidden like the only thing where i've that i've ever seen where vampires like have full-on taken over they like turn the tables and vampires are are the norm and humans are the ones being hunted exactly which was really cool yeah agreed and chrysler chrysler yeah chrysler (laughs) had had some had some product placement there with that 300 oh and then i they were also using uh well no that's gm um i mean i guess that's there not a whole lot of product placement really though no because maybe the movie all the other cars were like classic cars or anything and stuff like that so yep um Right. Well, so let's move on to unanswerable questions. And the first one I have is going to – I bet you guys will maybe even not remember this, but what did the little girl in the very first scene have to do with anything? I mean, I think she – like, oh. I feel like she was there to prove that not everyone was happy with the change and she didn't want to live with it anymore. Because she had been perpetually ten or whatever. Well, yeah, and for so 10 that years. I, I literally wrote that like little girl vampire killed herself because she couldn't grow, up. but then that didn't factor into any of it ever. They didn't even talk about her. They just literally burned up that little girl and then never talked about her again. And it was to set the mood. Yeah, I think that that's kind of what it was. Like full disclosure, I uh, didn't. I was getting food ready while I was, while this scene was playing. So I didn't really, I wasn't engaged, but, uh, I, I think that it was more of a mood setter because they showed like her very dramatic death and then the screen like panned to black. And then it was like daybreakers and that super dramatic, like shrinking yet growing text. Yeah. Yeah. And then we get to see Ethan Hawke's suit without Ethan Hawke in it. Yeah. When he looks in the mirror. Yeah, that was pretty cool. <laughs> it looked very silly. Um, so then my next one is was there like a war when the vampires took over? Yeah, that's a kind of a good question cuz like the way they make it seem is just like it was an epidemic that spread but then people just became okay with it instead of like yeah, like, like trying to like stop the vampires or anything, or quarantining like, them or any of that stuff. You would yeah. think there would be a larger percentage of people that would want that would be opposed to um, turning into vampires. Turning, yeah, to dying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I that I mean, and I guess that's maybe why Netflix get at us. We'll we'll uh, start writing the Daybreakers TV show. We'll help and cast <laughs> Ethan Hawke for us, baby. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Um, so then my next one is: Could they not get Famke Jansen? So they used the Australian version of her. Uh or Jansen, Jansen. I well, okay. The, what year was this? Two thousand ten. So this movie must have been shot in early two thousand nine, late two thousand eight. So she was done with X Men by then. Yeah, where? Why? I mean, she. What's that TV show she's on now? Who knows. I, I'm not sure, but that girl looked old. The the lady who played uh, Audrey, Claudia Carvan, Carvan, looks a lot like Famke Janssen. Difficult to uh, difficult to find pictures of her naked, though. Uh, if that's what you're what you need to do, then that's what you need to do. <laughs> I'll, I'll take your word on that. <laughs> um. So this one Pat had, and so his his question was: if daytime drive, if daytime mode mod. If the daytime mode mod is an aftermarket option to add to a car, why haven't the major car manufacturers capitalized on this by adding it to their cars so that everyone can drive around during the day? 
I thought that it implied that uh, that uh, Edwards Chrysler 300 was like manufactured, was made by Chrysler. Yeah, that's what I thought too. Like, I thought like the mods were essentially just like when it first started for people to convert. Because like, well, yeah, that's like uh, Willem Dafoe says that he was one of the first mechanics who started doing it. That's right, and so I thought the same thing. Um, but there were a few things that implied that his was a mod for daytime driving, and the what implied that was. A, when he goes to, like, meet up with Audrey and Elvis under the big tree, um, mm-hmm. no one else is on the road. Like, literally no one. And if it were a more common thing that weren't just an aftermarket mod, then you would think that there would be plenty of people on the road. Uh, and- well, what are the vampires supposed to chill in their coffins, nigga? <laughs> and B... um. Elvis says, I like, I was one of the first to start making them like the one on your car. And like, he, he points out, he points at it and he says like that one. And, and like, I think that that was like the fact that no one else is driving is out on the road. And like, this seems to be a very, very uncommon thing. And then Elvis points to it and says like that one. I think that's an implication that this isn't that this is a third like an aftermarket thing that the Edward has added to his car. I feel like you're reaching. I don't think so. It would not. I mean, I can court of law. I can kind of understand why you think that. Stained. All right, Tim. Let's hear it. Well, they also had the subwalk for people who wanted to be out during the day so that they could get from place to place. So they didn't necessarily need cars anymore. Um, plus, like the way they made it seem was most people were sleeping during the day now because they could only be up and out at night. So it's not that surprising to not see so many cars on the road during the day. It's Well, it's, yeah, like Pat, how many cars do you see on the road at night? And if if everyone was up at night and would you want to go meet somebody in a, in secret at night? Uh, no. Okay. So I, I understand what you guys are saying. It's they kind of flipped the, the times to accommodate the, everyone being a vampire. Um, but my counter argument to that is I live in a pretty small city. Like there's like 60,000 people in the city that I live in. And I like, I can go out literally any time of the night and I really don't have to like, I can go out to pretty much any street and I, I will find a car driving around and yeah, they're but in this, driving in a rural area there, but they're in this gigantic city and they show him in the big city at first, like on but his the way, cut, they show the really short cut scene. <laughs> Like, I'm just I, saying. I think you're. I think you. That like I'm. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna continue to sustain my objection that you're reaching. <laughs> All right. Well, I got more for you. Okay. Um. No, I have more. More un- unanswerables. So. All right. Well, that's that's what I figured you meant. So okay. Let's hear, let's hear your others. All right. How did they get into such a dire situation without realizing it? Because at the beginning of the movie, they essentially say. We're going to be out of blood by the end of the month. And it's like, was no one tracking this? Like, yeah, it does seem like that was a little, they were, they were probably a little short sighted with all of the turning they did early on. Yeah. Like I felt like this was, uh, I felt like there were parts of this movie that were almost an allegory for like renewable resources in the real world. And we are so hyper aware of like, we're going to run out of oil. And we're probably going to run out of oil during our lifetimes. And that's years, decades away. And, like, people are very, very stressed about it. And there's so much money going into, like, developing technology to replace for for, for renewable energy. And they're just, like, they're sitting down and they're like, yeah, it's we're, we're going to be out by the end of the month. 
Yeah, well, but don't you think that Sam Neill is kind of more like probably like a like a oil sheik or something like that, but more of I guess a blood sheik. Mm, yeah, maybe. So like Sam Neill's like like I mean, yeah, like I I don't know. I feel cuz like that's like your your oil company they're not concerned with us. They want us to buy, keep buying more oil. You know, they don't care about when they're going to run out because they're like, well, well, as long as we have a fuck ton of money, it doesn't matter to us that we run out of oil. But that's contradictory to his motivation he reveals at the end of the movie. Well, Aha! it's not a perfect movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a perfect movie is your answer. That means it's an unanswerable question. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I, I feel like you're just picking nits with question so i that you're 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 get you're losing the the uh the like the the, the spirit of the questions question. yeah they're supposed to be fun you're like just picking nits with them basically okay was there a romance between audrey and edward yes eventually yeah down the road i feel like they never made that real clear but well i mean that's i that again netflix get at us yeah that's yep. true <laughs> Uh, yeah, so my last one is, why do the subsiders look like they were rejected versions of orc or goblin costumes from Lord of the Rings? And I did a little bit of research and found out that they were designed by the same people. What a <laughs> workshop. So you found your own answer, baby. <laughs> yeah, so they basically were rejected versions of orc or goblin costumes from Lord of the Rings. But speaking yeah. of doing some research let's get on to half-assed internet research Ooh, nice segue <laughs> all right so start out with box office so for the for the budget it was uh 20 million like a pretty pretty sufficient budget i found out that they uh were given a million dollars by the uh government of Queensland, Australia. So they uh, got an, or well, it was probably more like tax breaks. They got a million dollars in tax breaks from Queensland. So they really got 21 million. <laughs> there you go. Uh, opening weekend in the USA, it did 15 million, which is all That's right, actually. Uh, and gross in the USA, it did 30 million. And its cumulative worldwide gross was 51.4. So actually, like, really not that terrible made some money back uh, at least from what it seems yeah we uh without knowing the budget i would guess that it probably made at least a little bit of money oh yeah um, it sounds like it made some yeah so it opened january 8th 2010 in america it opened like two days earlier in uh some other countries i was i can't remember specifically which countries it opened early in um and it finished fourth that weekend behind avatar sherlock holmes and alvin and the chipmunks the squeakquel oh that's a shame <laughs> i mean avatar and sherlock holmes were both pretty decent movies so it's not surprising but the squeakquel yeah i i they're well and they're in the process of making a third sherlock i've been told yeah Ooh. they they pushed the release date out to it's like 2021 now i think that's fair but i think it's christmas day 2021 nice uh well and so and that's i was also i i i think that the one thing that does kind of suck about losing to those three movies is that i'm pretty sure that all of those movies had been in theaters for almost a month yeah but uh also like thinking of the competition Avatar, oh, you, you're, yeah you're not gonna beat avatar avatar was one of the most successful movies ever made it, it is literally the most successful movie ever made mm, wasn't that infinity war no oh. avatar made like 2.6 billion dollars at the fair box enough. office fair enough um yeah so you're not gonna beat avatar sherlock holmes maybe I guess it probably opened. I think it opened on Christmas, if I remember correctly. So it hadn't been in theaters as long, and I don't know when Alvin and the Chipmunks: The Squeakquel came out, but I would guess that it was already out for Christmas because usually they want to have kids' movies out at Christmas. You don't just yeah. have that in in your brain bank, Ben. 
No, I don't, unfortunately. Um, so uh, I also have a note that, the, but we've already discussed this. That this was during the period of when a glut of vampires movies were being produced, and this was aka the Twilight Zone. <laughs> yeah, uh, the film takes place this year, twenty nineteen. So guys, well, shit, better look, look out for out. vampires. Here comes the van- <laughs> well, actually, the the vampires would have already been here because we'd be running out of blood soon if the movie takes place in 2019 oh yeah that's right because the the outbreak happened in like 2008 i think right yeah, i, I think can't it was like 10 years ago what it exactly yeah yeah um so this uh this this one was interesting uh, i found hawk was initially hesitant to join the production as he's a big fan of genre films uh he ultimately accepted the role of Edward, after deciding that the story felt different from a typical B-movie, uh, Hawk described the film as an allegory of man's pacing with natural resources. We're eating our own resources, so people are trying to come up with blood substitutes, trying to get us off fo- off of foreign humans. The actor also said that despite the serious allegory, the film was low art and completely unpretentious and silly. Yes, Which I, I would I, agree I, with. I agree with every that he expresses there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Raj, friend of the podcast. Rest in peace. He gave the film two and a half stars, stating that the intriguing premise, or that it had an intriguing premise, and it ends as so many movies do these days with fierce fights and bloodshed. Which I think that, uh, I think that that's kind of going back to what we were saying about like the Netflix HBO series is like, the entire like the meat of the movie is in the premise and the world because that's mm-hmm. what's the most interesting. And then the the one the one part of the premise that they ruin is when they make it so that they can drink the fucking yeah. cured blood. That's the that's, cop out. Yeah, they copped out there. And if we if they but if they had a TV series, you could not cop that out. And then you could your second season could be them trying to spread the the cure. Yep. And f- worried about fucking subsiders. Yeah, the subsiders were something that didn't get explored enough. Yeah, and they can fly. Yeah. Uh, real quick, I got some numbers. Um, Infinity War grossed $2,048,000. And, and you also have to keep in mind that this is uh, not adjusted for inflation because Infinity War came out 10 years after Avatar. But Avatar grossed 2787000 dollars so not that much more. Well, almost a billion more. Wait, I thought you said oh, cuz it was too yeah, okay. Uh, fair enough. Um, so then the last thing I have is that Michael and Peter Spierig are both Australian and the film was shot at Warner Brothers in Australia and the film is actually considered uh it's a uh it's considered Ozploitation, which is an Australian exploitation film. Oh, we talked about that in Troll 2. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, Yeah, well, since we don't only watch bad movies and TV, let's talk about some of the stuff that we have genuinely enjoyed watching lately. Tim, let's start with you. Um, So this week I decided I was going to go back and rewatch all the Jurassic Park films. Nice. Not all of them are great, but they're still pretty. Oh, no, they are. They're are great. you telling me that in Jurassic Park three, when the Velociraptor says "Alan," that's not great? It's no, I, great, I was referring man. more to Jurassic Park two is the one I not don't like. Oh, I like that one. <laughs> I like them all. Yeah, I'm not, I won't lie. I, I and I won't apologize. I like them all. I, that's fine. Anything with Jurassic in the title, sign me up. Uh. Tim, which one is your least favorite? Out of all the Jurassic Park movies, including World and World 2? Yeah. Mm-hmm. God. Um, it probably would have to be either Jurassic Park 2 or Jurassic Park World. I uh, see. World is hands down my least favorite. I thought Fallen Kingdom was like, it was fun. It was interesting. And, and Jurassic Park movies for me have gotten worse and worse until fallen kingdom it started it's the first time jurassic park movies have gotten better fair enough that's fair 
Alan. Yeah, I'll sign me up. Sign me up no matter what. Yeah, Ben. Ben went and saw Jurassic World after I like Jurassic World is the movie that made me literally laugh in theaters at how bad it was. And like we were getting up and leaving and I just looked at my friend and I was like, I guess I just don't like movies anymore. And that was the straw that broke the camel's back. And then Ben goes and sees it and he was like, I thought it was great. <laughs> like <laughs> Ben just shamelessly loves those movies. It's got dinosaurs. <laughs> Can't go wrong. <laughs> fucking dinosaurs man yeah uh pat what about you what have you been watching uh so i watched wrestlemania 35 and it was awesome awesome yeah i came to play no it was a it was a really good (laughs) wrestlemania it wasn't like a lot of people i think are overhyping it and that's that's natural when we have a good wrestlemania um, is to say like, oh, it was one of the best ever, and and I don't think it was that, but it was like it was a really good one. Um, there were a lot of really good matches. Uh, I beat Tim in the predictions game by one point. Still, wins a win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm well, gonna throw honestly, a little throw a little shout out to next week. It doesn't matter if you win by an inch or if you win by a mile. Winning is winning. I was uh, I was hoping Aww. you would take that, Ben. I was hoping you would take that opportunity. Um, but WrestleMania was really good. It was like, and that's it was really refreshing because this was Mania thirty five. Mania thirty four was really weird and not satisfactory at all. Mania thirty three sucked. Yeah, that uh, was my first Mania. I was not not happy not happy with it. Yeah, Mania thirty two sucked. And so this was the first good WrestleMania since Mania 31, which in my opinion is the best WrestleMania. Um and we had some we had some really cool matches. The women main evented for the first time ever, which was cool. Uh we saw Seth Rollins beat Brock Lesnar, which was awesome. We saw I How about Kofi? <clears throat> yeah, this I was about to say this sounds really stupid, but I actually cried when Kofi won. Like that was they they told that story really well to the point that I haven't even been watching and I was so invested in that and they put on such a good match that like there were a few tears when Kofi won. I was like, wow, that was a really, really well told story. As you you so to, Kofi Kingston was part of New Day. You rudely ignored my text where I asked you that, right? Yeah, uh, Kofi has always been a part of New Day. And, yeah, that's what I thought. And he still is. Okay, I just I you rudely ignore. Yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm the worst. I he know. is I know. truly. <laughs> well, me personally, I have been watching the new season of Barry on HBO, and fuck that show is so good. Is that the one with Bill Hader? Yeah, it I like peak TV. It is the definition of peak TV. I just don't think that. I, it's just so smart, and I—I I mean, I—I've listened. I've also listened to Bill Hader where he talks about like his process and like it's just, oh man, it's—he's just—he's so smart and like he—it seems like he makes the film. He challenges himself with the way that he makes the show, and I—I I mean, Bill Hader also is like an insane movie buff. So listen, like he clearly is pulling from places where like he, yeah, oh, it's just so it, it is. I, it is the definition of peak TV. Like it's incredible. I would, I can't recommend it enough. I might check it out because I was intrigued, but I didn't watch it. But like, if it comes with that, that much of a ringing endorsement. It really, like, I, like I, the whole, I know the whole like Hitman. It's, kind of played out but he does it in such a smart way that is not that's original and like not played out that it's just and and it's so funny too that uh, bill hater is insanely funny well i mean the supporting cast is really i think is the thing that really are like bill hater is funny in it but I think that it's really the supporting cast in this show that makes it so like Bill, Bill Hader actually is showing you 
like serious acting chops. Whereas like you're getting a lot of the fun, like, uh, I mean, uh, Henry Winkler is incredible in it. Um, as is, uh, the guy who plays, uh, Jimmy James in news radio. And I'm blanking on his name. So the obscure sports guy in dodgeball, um, Oh, what the character in Barry's name is Fuchs. I am just blanking on the actor's name. Uh, I'll figure it out for you. Keep talking about Barry. Steven Root. Steven Root. Okay. Steven Root is really, really funny in it too. As is Anthony Kerrigan. Anthony Kerrigan is probably the funniest character in the show. Uh, He plays a character named Noho Hank. And he is Chechenian, and it is just brilliant. So funny. All yeah. right, I'll check that out. Definitely I'd be, do. I'd be obliged to, but Game of Thrones starts Sunday, so that's pretty much where my attention is going to be. Oh, I mean, I my attention will definitely be... I will absolutely continue to watch the new season of Veep and the new season of Barry, because they're both great. Yeah, both really damn good. Um, well, yeah. So that wraps up this week's discussion of <laughs> Daybreakers. I <laughs> Space on the name. the name of the film. <laughs> we watched a movie. We, we watched a movie. <laughs> Don't forget to check out our incredible website, coldnorthpro.com, where you can see everything we do in one place. What a great website! So great. Listen to our other listen. Jesus Christ! <laughs> listen to us weekly on our other podcast that's about gaming called Hard Reset. You almost did it twice in a row. It's true. <laughs> it's true. Uh, next time, uh, next time we'll be watching Justin Lin's 2006 film, The Fast and the Furious: Tokyo Drift. See you next time, and don't forget, no. <laughs>